0: Welcome to The Momentologist. I'm your host, Dr. Mitch Ablett. When you get right down to it, the raw matter, the ingredients of our lives are moments. Those who learn to study these moments and yet stay fully engaged are what I call momentologists, meta-professionals who resonate with the now of present moments to create, connect, innovate, and lead. Join me in these conversations with authors, researchers, change agents and influencers and learn momentology. Learn how moments don't have to just happen to you. You can learn to study them, to make them. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode. I'm very excited to be joined today. Uh, by a fellow author and mindfulness colleague. Um, This is uh, Maureen Healy. Uh, Maureen is a speaker and educator and author regarding children's uh, emotional and mental health. She's got a very popular blog on psychology today, and she's got a new book out, uh, The Happiness Workbook for Kids, which I was lucky enough to get an advanced peek uh, at. And she has the Emotionally Healthy Child uh, that won an Nautilus Book Award um, back in 2019. Uh, so lots of experience writing and teaching and speaking about uh, you know, emotional health, positive psychology. And, and Maureen has done you know talks throughout the world. Um, so it's very sought after in that regard. And I, and I just told her before I hit record that I, I love that she's got aspects of very personal tidbits about herself on our website. So I'll start us off, Maureen, with uh, one of these. It, you, you reference uh, in 2007 that you lived at the base of the Himalayas, teaching kindergarten to Tibetan refugee kids and studying with His Holiness the Dalai Lama and uh, His Temple and with many others, which I think has had to have had many, many moments for you where that was just really meaningful, I would assume. But welcome to the show and we can start with, you know, that or anything else, but welcome.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here.
0: What was that like, by the way, Maureen, to, you know, was there a moment that really stood out to you uh, when in that experience back in 2007? I I just I'm trying to wrap my brain around it.
1: Well, I mean, I I mean, it was. It was more of like what kids do nowadays, which is take that sabbatical, or I forgot the exact wording they use, that that year between high school and college.
0: Yeah, gap year.
1: The gap year, it was sort of a (laughs) gap. Yeah, it was like a gap moment for me because I Mm -hmm. was in between careers. I was working in a clinic in a very Western science, doing a PhD and thinking like, really, is this it? Like there was just something missing for me for, you know, how do we help children become happier? And having studied Tibetan Buddhism and connected to that groupings of people, um, I had an invitation to go overseas and I thought, well, should I go? And then I called my airline and they're like, you have a free ticket. I'm like, well, that seems seems logical. Yeah. So all the pieces just came into place. It was one of those moments that was like, all right, this is your door is opening. It's one of those yes moments. Mm. So I I went and it was just wonderful because I got to see a whole different culture and a culture that wasn't necessarily wealthy in money, but certainly rich in wisdom. And uh, many people were happier there who didn't have much. So that was really, for me personally, insightful on the path of how to help children become happier.
0: That you know, you said something in there. A lot of things that I could grab onto, but that that there were less resources there, and yet people in general, kids included, seemed happier. Mm-hmm. How how did that register for you? What was your how did that uh, What was your sense of that? What was the evidence of that that they were happier?
1: Well, I was in a kindergarten. Um, you know, I mean, kids. You, you know, before eight, you're sort of you can sort of. Car- compartmentalize something you just be in this magical world but in in general you know the children wanted to play and that the idea you know in the united states clearly we are a melting pot of culture so there i was really with tibetan refugees so it was one culture very spiritual the first thing they do when they take them home from if they're being born in a hospital is to bring them to the altar in the house and say, Hey, you're going to need this more than anything. So there was Mm. just a different mindset on like, what, what was the first thing to do and what you needed and where you get your source of strength. And it was like a deep reverence for, you know, listen, I'm your guide. I don't know everything, but let's learn together. And for children, I think that that's really helpful, that sort of partnership approach and, um, you know, kids didn't, they were playful. They weren't looking for their iPads at that moment. You know what I mean? Not that kids don't love technology, but there was more of a sense of sort of outdoor play and connection and storytelling. I mean, I laugh because I was in a kindergarten. Everyone was in it like circle time, but you know, kids are like four, five, right? And we're having tea. Can you imagine sitting around with a bunch of you know western kids four years old and having tea hot tea and it not being a disaster it was just right. a different culture so from my perspective i really just appreciated the, the perspective of you know looking for happier experiences on the inside versus the outside and hey we all have two eyes we all need to look outside of ourselves and and uh, create things in this world but I think from a happy, you know, looking to become happier, it's nice when you can start planting those seeds earlier on.
0: Yes, and, and that that segues into a question I did want to ask uh, today when we talked, and and as I was re- you know reading through your your workbook uh, for kids, which, which by the way, you know, people you know really need to check this out because it has all kinds of, you know, I, I've I've looked at many books like this. I've I've written a couple myself. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are some really unique ways of engaging kids around what you can call positive psychology, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, mindfulness based and, you know, just, you know, really, you know, happiness, conducive activities and ways of framing things. But, you know, what what occurred to me when you were just talking is, you know, about the the children in that kindergarten, uh, the Tibetan refugee children. That there there may be these obstacles, there may be obstacles that are present for kids here in the West uh, that may be less of an obstacle there. What do you see as the primary obstacles to happiness um, unfolding for kids uh, here in our society?
1: Well, we're clearly in a unique point in time, you know, really what I'm experiencing working with a lot of children around the world, particularly the U.S., is just you know, dealing with some of the emotional, I want to say turmoil, but roller coaster that everyone has been on from the pandemic, and then being able to process those emotions and express them constructively. So, you know, a lot of kids are just sort of Um, there's that low level anxiety or stress or worry, or even like regression into like places they've been and they've like progressed through that they're going back to now. So I think it's really important for kids at this point in time to be able to learn how their emotions work, how to constructively express them. And of course, everyone wants to be able to bounce back from challenges and become more resilient. So that's those, some of those pieces in the happiness workbook for kids is how do you reframe situations? Like from my perspective, you know, like yourself, having a wider perspective and living more years on the planet, um, you know, we know that there are challenges there. are And, and some things are just, you know, bumps we can avoid. And some things are bumps we can't avoid that, you know, they're yeah. unavoidable, but right. helping kids with, Process through this pandemic and their experiences, and learning how to, um you know, the upside is really becoming more resilient, right? If you were going to yeah. try and find some sort of like silver lining from this experience. So that's the kind of work that I would work with kids on is like putting those things in place that you can reframe some of these challenges and do your best to become more optimistic. And maybe you're a yeah. realist or you're pessimist, but you can sort of move the dial a little bit.
0: Yeah. There, you know, in my work as a, as a psychologist, as a clinician, I, I've certainly seen an impact of the pandemic. Um, one piece that, you know, my very small end of my, my caseload, so many kids have, uh, and this is no, you know, way of blaming, by way of blaming parents and whatnot, because I put myself in this camp, you know, where there's been a, you know, a huge reliance on the tech, you know, kids have been on screens way more, and it's been, you know, hard on everyone, Uh, but, you know, for, I I just wonder, and I know there, you know, there's some effort to be collecting data around this, so we have a better understanding how much kids have been trained to move away from what we in the mindfulness world might call beginner's mind, you know, what, you experience with the tea with the kids mm-hmm. in kindergarten it's harder for you know for kids even very young kids here to just be in these simple moments without feeling a brain pull towards something that just you know ties their brain in knots in my opinion what what's your what's your sense of that
1: well Um, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure, but I, I I certainly think that one of the things that we've experienced in the pandemic has been, you know, when I was younger, I mean, life wasn't perfect. It never is, but, but, you know, I thought things worked out all, you know, for the most part. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There
1: was a piece that, you know, kind of was taken from a lot of kids during the pandemic. The idea that, oh, things can really go wrong. Oh, you don't know what you're doing. Oh, there is no solution yet. (laughs) Like, you know, yeah. Yeah those things are really troublesome. It's like that Einstein quote, is it friendly? Is it a friendly or not friendly world? So they kind of mm. shifted their perspective to say, this is not a friendly world. So I think helping kids, you know, renew their faith in the world or in people or in, you know, I think that that's really important. And I think when you lose that really young, it can be difficult.
0: Yes. Yes. You know, what What have you found either personally or professionally really? Has helped in, in in very specific situations to help kids restore faith in like inherent goodness and possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean,
1: I think the key, I mean, the thread that runs through everything is really supportive relationships. So I yeah. think I think that whether it's you know a coach, a mentor, a counselor, someone like me, someone like you, or a teacher, or a friend, or or someone else, having at least one person. A child can go to for like unconditional not only love but support and encouragement and non judgment and where they feel like they can tell you like, Hey, this is what's really going on. Yes, um, I think is important so a safe space, or if they're not a talker and I'm okay, if a kid is not a talker, but they need to have an outlet whether it's music or art or coding, I'm not even against you know the computers as much but like some constructive outlet. And yes. And I, and I think that they, um, you know, having that friend, having that constructive outlet and, and just being able to enjoy moments again, being able to go back into nature, go for a hike, being able to just develop that sense of wonder and awe, I think is really great because you're like, oh, I'm happy to be alive. This is my thing. I love this. So you're yes. feeling, you know, it sounds so simple, but it's like you're filling your happiness bucket so that when... Things do go wrong. You have some reserves to handle it. Yes. You know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that. And I, you know, you know, people that you know listen to this podcast or you know know my work know that I'm all about the the moments, right? You know mm-hmm. that you know that's what we have. Mm-hmm. And you know my experience working with um, really acute, uh, you know, emotionally behaviorally disordered uh, kiddos. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they you know, they, they've they learned to not trust, you know, their now, their moments, you know, because so many things have happened uh, that have been, you know, traumatic you know, or displacing. And when they have an adult, like you're saying, somebody that's very trustworthy, mm-hmm. um, who once they're in a child moment of just playing or engaging with curiosity around something, when when they experience us seeing them in that moment, you know, then it, I think there's something that happens there where, you know, maybe they were playing and, but maybe it wasn't fully registering until an adult helped them really notice that things were okay in their experience. I am not a lot of words there, but to me, that's always felt important for kids, particularly kids that have been really disrupted, right. you know, to, to be seen uh, by an adult when they're engaging, whatever they're engaging.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think kids mirror back to us what we see in them. And if we see the best in them, they're willing to begin to see that in themselves. Yeah. Um, and, and I also think that like, you know, parents can do little things to help, you know, you know, we were talking about kind of like what little things can we do, whether it's a gratitude list or, you know, the three good things from Martin Siegelman every night, like what were the three good things from the day? You know, yeah. some days it's easy, right? It's like I had pizza, I got a hug. I, you know. <laughs> yeah. Other days it's right. like, I'll talk to a kid and they're like, I got nothing. I'm like, nothing? Right.
0: <laughs> right.
1: So. I think it really is that like, doesn't take a long time, but it is that continual habit of looking for the good and naming it. Because they have, they say after about three to four weeks, your mind starts to throughout the day, start looking for the good. And that is part of resilience, right? Being able yes. to see the good, even when, you know, hey, there was traffic as an adult or as a kid, you're like, you know, listen, I forgot my homework at home or whatever the problem is.
0: Yes, I, I, I'm glad you used the word habit. And that's another thing I, I like to talk about, you know, and emphasize that, you know, that in, and you alluded to the research that um, building the habit of scanning for the good, mm-hmm. um, even if at first you don't notice anything, you know, you know, just, you know, showing up to it anyway, repeatedly, the brain does start to notice some mm-hmm. things even in fits and starts.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, I mean, that's what I do every night. Like before I go to bed, I look for five things that were the good things from the day. And sometimes it's like, boom, boom, boom. I got 10, right? I got 15. <laughs> Other days I'm like at two and I'm like, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and you you wish on the days when you can come up with ten that you could bank some of those for right? the next day when you can't come up with any. It doesn't doesn't work as well that way.
1: Right, but but it's but it is that practice. That's what I'm trying. You know, it is. Yes. It, it doesn't take long. It's only a few minutes. But let me tell you, I sleep better. I'm happier when I wake up. It really does put you you pick up where you left off in a better mood, so to speak.
0: Now this is this is where I, I'd be remiss. If I didn't acknowledge that, a, I don't have that habit mm-hmm. every night, and although I am getting more curious now that we're talking about it, uh, one thing that's been an obstacle for me, and I would assume I'm not alone, is that it, uh, and it reminds me, by the way, of uh, you know trying to build a habit of uh, certain meditative practices, which I would consider you know a gratitude practice like this as part of it, mm-hmm. but like just you know being able to try to practice a loving kindness meditation right like to really wish ease uh from suffering for others for yourself that what i found is an obstacle at times it just feels so insincere it feels like it's not it's not happening and it feels so forced um or it feels uh you know to be honest you know you know i've heard from people and i've experienced it feels kind of cheesy you know, that, you know, to just sit there and try to come up with things when you're not feeling it. Mm-hmm. And yet what you're pointing to is, and, you know, now that I'm, you know, really thinking about this, I have to really apply it for myself. That might be part of the negative habit of telling oneself and and, and your thoughts that, well, oh, this isn't, this is fake, or this doesn't feel right. So I'm just not going to do it. I'm wasting my time that that actually can be a negative habit that's getting in the way of continuing to show up to it anyway.
1: I mean, yeah. this is how I feel about the gym, right? So if I don't put it on my calendar Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, or Wednesday, Friday, or, you know, or when Monday, Wednesday, Friday, it's not yeah. going to happen. And I can talk myself out of it. It doesn't feel right. I got something else going on. Yeah, <laughs> You yeah. know, I can easily talk myself, oh, does it really matter? <laughs> you know, two Yes two times a week is fine, I'll go for a hike, the hike becomes a little bit of a walk and not a hike. You know, so we all have that in different places in our life and I think that, you know, the idea of doing what you can, there's no perfection, but any sort of incremental gain is important. And I think in the beginning, like you're saying, it, it, it's not comfortable and it, it doesn't feel authentic but then you have that breakthrough that where you're like oh that you know what that actually felt really good and that really you know so and I think oftentimes it's in teaching others that we gain so mm. maybe we feel stupid for ourselves but we, we help our daughter or a friend or our neighbor and the, and you see their demonstration of improvement yes then it's like maybe I'll try that yes. <laughs>
0: yeah and and i would I, I like that. I think that that actually can has been a motivator for me, you know, to show up to more positive psychology or mindfulness practice when I've brought it to a patient or my own kids mm-hmm. um, and something seems to click and then it it's like a mindfulness bell for me to show back up to it myself. Mm-hmm. um i would I would say even beyond that, you know that even if you're not feeling it, you know the intention that you had to try anyway even though you're not feeling it that itself is inherently positive Mm -hmm. that even if you're you're you're, you know you're not getting this buzz of positivity emotionally you know you showed up to an intention uh which has got an inherent positive aspect to it
1: right and it doesn't have to be the three good things it can be anything and i kind of think of it uh, in a way of like you know I'm going to love myself. And this is one of the ways I do it. Do you know what I mean? And I may yeah. do it with healthy food. I may do it with the gym. I may do it with laughter with my friends. I may do it because I pick a career that I actually really enjoy. Like I may do it in different ways, but this is one of the low hanging fruit of loving myself.
0: Yes. You, you know, I want to, I want to go back because I, I know you've written all these books and you know, I'm an author myself. You know, uh, one thing I, I wonder about, you know, is, you know, do you recall there being a, a specific instance or a moment where you really, you know, you used the term a yes moment uh, Mm -hmm. earlier. Was there a yes moment for you? Like, yes, I want to write and publish around these themes around positivity and happiness uh, for kids, for parents. Do you, you know, do you, you know, recall there being a specific moment where that all came together as a yes for you?
1: It's a good question. Um, I went when I was doing my doctoral coursework. I really loved writing. It was the mm. one part that I loved. I didn't like listening to people's problems. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're right.
1: I was like, come on, it's not that bad. I mean, something happened where I really connected with children and parents and teachers, but I wasn't the right therapist for like a uh, an adult it just yeah. didn't, didn't sync with me so yes. but when i did the writing with it for for a potential dissertation or coursework i was like oh i, I dig this and mm. and it became it was easy for me it was like yeah. where everyone was like oh the is so hard for me i was like oh well this writing thing is easy it's like the other stuff that i thought was hard so yeah. so that that just like was an affirmation for me like hey this is your path you need to do more of this And then, you know, my first book, Growing Happy Kids, the concept is around resilience, and it's the Eastern idea of inner confidence, which is their languaging for how, you know, there's something within you greater than anything on the outside. Yes. So, when I sort of like delved into that, I I personally so deeply was interested in it for myself as well as for other people. And I really did see that resilience or inner confidence as a foundation for positive emotional health. So it sort of was the foundation for my other books, for the Emotionally Healthy Child and the Happiness Book for Kids and the book about, you know, indigo children. So it was really a foundational book for me that really Set me on the right course and help me frame my thinking around how do you feel and do your best.
0: Yes, I think you know whether we're talking about writing a book or you know any kind of project, right? You know, you know, you know, for an educator or you know, uh, clinician, you know, we're focused on kids in this conversation. If you're trying to show up to creating something or making something. You know, it, if it has an element of uh, because I must, you know, in order to uh, obtain a certain outcome, that's different, even though you may end up getting a contract to write a book or, you know, versus something that just, it's like you get out of the way mm-hmm. and it's just clear that, and it might even be scary, mm-hmm. but there, there, this is just you know, it resonates. That's the word that I've been hovering on lately. It just resonates that this is the thing to show up to. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to describe, but, you know, I, I think there's an important distinction in there for, you know, even if, we're, if parents are listening, that you, you want to do something, create something for your kids, for your family, you know, is it something that you're doing to try and force and control an outcome Or is it something that you're showing up to because it just is, even though you might not be sure what's going to happen with it?
1: Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, it's like knowing your why, right? It was like, Mm. I was really, for my first book, Growing Happy Kids, I was just passionate about that idea. It changed my life. I wanted it to help others. So that was my why. But I think the why is important with parenting, teaching, coaching, counseling, whatever we want to call it, because you're like, am I there to connect with this child or person and help them feel and do their best, no matter if I think I ordered a doctor and I got a guitar player as a child, like whatever it is, I'm going to connect with them, help them develop their talents and have the courage and really, you know, um, enthusiasm to bring them to the world, which is scary. Um, yes. Or am I gonna, you know, and I see it a lot of, there's a really funny cartoon I saw recently, which was like, a mom and her child, they were reading books on the bench. And then another mom sat down looking at her phone and their child was looking at their phone. And they said, how do you get your child to read? You know, and it's it's just like they become who we are or they sort of learn from who we are. Uh, they don't become us, but they learn from who we present ourselves, like who we actually yes. show up as. Yes. And it's not that we need to be perfect. You know, we all make boo-boos. Listen, I've dropped many a curse in the car where I was like, oops.
0: Yeah, me, <laughs> me as well. Yep.
1: So, I mean, you have to have a sense of humor, but, you know, really trying to know your why I think is important, even as a parent, a teacher, a coach, whatever we want to call it.
0: I, I like that, knowing your why, you know, and and being perhaps... Open to the why showing itself. Uh, mm-hmm. You know that you may think you know what it is. It may shift a bit over time, but you know that. You know I don't know. I I that why is you know what I call the prize. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's something that you know we don't manufacture. It's kind of uh, a given to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know if you're if you're observant, it kind of shows itself. But, but like we're saying, it can be scary. Um, but once you start to, you know, get more clear on it, um, then, then it becomes like a, you know, like a compass heading. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you have a sense of like, uh, you know, for parents, um, you know, in your, in your own, you know, work and talking and, you know, working with parents, what is it that you most want them to, to know about bringing happiness to their, to their kids?
1: That's a great question um I mean I think that the word happiness is a little tricky too because it feels very static so I would really say the word happier how do we help them become happier which is Mm. is more dynamic
0: um
1: and I would say that you know the people that I work with it's always like how do we help uh you know it's how do we focus less on ourselves and more on others, right? So yes. helping kids do that in a joyful way, I think is great, whether we, and I know the pandemic is still happening and, right. you know, so obviously in safe ways, but if, if you felt like, oh, I could volunteer and, you know, Take a dog for a walk at the shelter, or we could clean the garage and whatever, donate the toys that we're not using, whatever it is. But I love the idea. And it could even be gardening and sharing, like, you know, some of the vegetables with a neighbor. It doesn't have to be complex, right. but helping a child even write thank you notes. I love the thank you note. So, I think it's like these little things that start to plant the seeds that like hey I get time to do what I want to do which is fun and I get to care about others and I get to um you know uh, you want to you want them to not also you care about others yes have the other centeredness but also yeah. like not be so like it's either I'm winning or I'm losing just really be able to say you know everything is an an opportunity to learn and and that you know you know when you fall down it's okay get back up again there's no there's no um you know that being it you know really having more flexible and being able to Fail up, you know, being able to fail mm-hmm. and then get back up and move forward again. I, I think those those are important lessons. It's the kids that I see that like have a mistake or an error that are devastated by it that I feel like is a really strong ego, which is yeah. okay. But we want to help them like soften that and help them realize that you know it's not about being perfect. It's about doing your best. If you'll only be happy when you fill in the blank happens, whether it's I get a great grade or I make the team it's just a recipe for not being happy. So helping them really, you know, learn how to do their best and listen, we all have different personalities and sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's harder, but those are just important lessons to move in that direction.
0: I, I really like that. Uh, and I'm glad you raised the, the concept of you know mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, I, don't, I personally don't feel like this gets talked about enough in the you know the mindfulness positive psychology space you know particularly for our kids and in my opinion particularly these days that you know if we can as the adults in their lives just and and I have to keep working on this myself you know slow down there's like a cadence piece and it doesn't have to take a lot of time doesn't really take much time at all but just a beat or two you know, particularly when you've made a mistake, and you know, kids know when we mess up, and when we are able to own that error in front of them, I, you know, that's I think how they really begin to learn it. You know, so I've become almost like a compulsive admitter of mistakes, um, uh, you know, in my professional work, and I have to really work on it in my with my family, um, but I don't know. To me. What do you think this this idea of intentionally owning our errors um, and doing so with self-compassion? You know, is that a, an important piece to fostering you know happier Uh, for kids Mm
1: -hmm. yeah I mean the language I might put around it is taking responsibility yeah a lot of kids want to like oh he did it she did it oh I didn't do that you know and I learned that you have to ask sometimes kids three times and on the third time they tell you the truth (laughs) so it's like helping them learn how to take responsibility from because from a big picture standpoint responsibility is pure power if you can take Mm. responsibility for your your good things and the things that you sort of maybe were i guess we'll use the word mistakes or things you're learning from then then you become unbeatable you're like listen i can handle this i have what it takes and that this mistake or this failure is not going to devastate me you know i mean obviously if you have a teenager you just need them to and even a tween you want them to make a mistake that's not you know gigantic you want them right. to keep um, being safe and making good decisions but we all make mistakes that's just part of learning and living
0: yeah I like that responsibility is pure power that, that's going to be the tagline when I put this out to social media marine you know Excellent. responsibility yeah I, I really like that mm-hmm. um, you know and I, I one way I've thought about it is that you know when we have a really painful, kind of guilty emotionally experienced when we've messed up you know there's a bit of a shame edge coming in no one likes that feeling Mm-mm. and and yet it's got a lot of energy to it mm-hmm. and it can it can be uh converted into you know positive powerful energy if we can sit with it own it and speak it mm-hmm. um you know but that i like that responsibility is pure power mm-hmm. you know what what in your own experience? Because you have kids, correct? Did I, did I glean that I like. We. I
1: don't have children. No. You don't
0: you no, don't.
1: I don't. So, lots so, of students.
0: Lots of students. And
1: co- and kids I coach. Yeah.
0: So, you know, when when you have been with kids as a teacher, right? Have you seen that be the case? That when because i I've, I've worked with a lot of teachers over the years. Mm-hmm. And I've seen teachers own error, and I've seen the kids respond to that. Have you experienced that yourself? That like you've messed up and you own it, and you know how do how do kids seem to respond to it?
1: Hundred percent. You know, if I have kids in the car and we're going somewhere or something's happening, because I have a lot of kids in my life, um, you know, if I make a wrong turn and I'm like, hey, I need your help, they're like really, like, it's like a sense of relief that they have, like, oh, I don't have to be something I'm not, I can just be myself, it allows people to just be themselves.
0: Yes, yes, you know, I I think that's the the theme here, you know, is that, you know, things just being what they are, Mm -hmm. and not trying to make it be something other than what they are, Mm -hmm. that, you know, when we show up to kids, and help them through various strategies to be able to you know like I said earlier resonate to what things as they are that that's somehow like it's almost like magic it almost you know even though you're just focusing on things as they are when we really help them show up to that then what's possible for them seems to be showing up in the next moment
1: hmm and the things as they are are pretty miraculous i mean we're on a planet spinning in space learning and growing i mean it's pretty like when you really think see that what things as they are it is a miracle right
0: yes yeah i have a right here uh, on my desk i have a mouse pad that has the you know the earth from space Mm -hmm. uh one of the satellite pictures and it's very faded and has some coffee stains on it, you know, representative of the errors uh, that I've made. But, you know, I, I, I often look at that and it helps me as a cue, you know, that there's a whole other vantage point on what is. Mm-hmm. And that the, the problem quote unquote of, of this moment is, is all in a narrative. And that, you know, up in space right now, it, it doesn't exist as a, as a problem. And, uh, you know, so, you know, you can go satellite on it. Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. It's what I would call a wider perspective that we have as adults that we know, we know what a big challenge is. So sometimes kids are in that moment, like this is the worst thing ever. And that's okay <laughs> for them. It is, but helping yes. them realize that, okay, yeah, it feels really bad, you know, and I, I get it. It feels really challenging. And, but it will pass that feeling, you're bigger that that feeling. And that's where I think my the happiness workbook for kids is good because they can do activities on their own and get their own emotional ahas. Yes. So I, I like that approach because my last book, The Emotionally Healthy Child with which for adults, it was sort of playing telephone, you know, talking to adults so that they can talk to kids, which is great. But yes. I love the idea of speaking to kids directly so that they can start to like really own some ideas.
0: Yeah, and I, and I have to say again, you know, having read through the, you know, your you know, most recent workbook for kids, you, I, can, I can see the educator and your vast experience in you coming through because the, yeah, and I got that, that these are not activities that are meant to be mediated by the adult. Mm-hmm. You know, you frame them and written them um, so that kids themselves can really engage them. Mm-hmm. And, and they can go through it and find the ones that really, you know, fit for them. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, I don't know what, you know, this is something I ask authors of, of books for, for kids, particularly books that have activities in it. You know, it's typically not the child that's buying it. Mm-hmm. What, what would you recommend that, like, the parent or the teacher that's buying this book You know, how, what do they do with it once they've bought it so that the kid is much more likely to engage it themselves?
1: I think it's like anything, to be perfectly honest. Um, You get something and you share it. You don't force it down someone's throat, but you leave it out and you encourage, you say, Hey, I've started to look through this. I've heard it was great. I listened to this woman on you know, whatever podcast or this. And, and yeah. it's really helpful to me. I mean, I would actually go through some of the activities as an adult. You know, typically adults go through them and say, okay, this, this is gonna work. And then you leave it out or put it in their room. And what I have found so cool is that a lot of kids sixth, seventh and eighth grade, which is slightly older than I thought would like it, really love it because it gives them their own thing to do where they're, when they're having a moment, let's say, or they're having a big emotion or they're having a struggle for the day, they can take it out, go into their room and they can remember, okay, this is how emotions work. This is what I can do with them which is the direction to happier. It's almost like as adults, when you play golf, you need to know where the 18th hole is. You know what I mean?
0: I like that. <laughs>
1: you need to know- I'm not where a you're golfer,
0: gonna... but I like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. You, me either. But you need to know where you're <laughs> going to get there. So yeah. um, I think that that's helpful and it does provide an idea of relief, you know, that we're not alone. So often we feel like it's just me who feels this way. But when you read like a workbook or something like that, you realize, ah, we all have emotions. Some of us, there are some days that are easier than others. Oh, okay, all right, I got it. I can oh, I can do something or think something differently, and I'll move in a better direction. Oh, I got it. Like it, it just starts putting wind in your sails in a, in a constructive direction.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, so I'm gonna wrap this up here. one one of the other things on on your uh, website, Marine, was that you have a uh, sign in your office that says that I walked on fire, I know I can do anything. And uh, you you remark on your website that you've literally walked on fire more than seven times and your feet have never gotten burned. I've heard of this sort of thing. That had to be a moment for you.
1: Oh, my God. How cool was that? I mean, that was so cool. Meaning it was like something that you did that boggled your mind that made mm. you realize, wow, how powerful we really are, how powerful the mind is. And that that was like something that lasted for days. And then it wears off. You're like, wow, I can do anything. And then like a week later, you're like, all right, I'm back to my regular. <laughs> yeah, I
0: can't even make toast this morning. That's right. 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 But, it,
1: but it helps you, I think, get in touch with that sense that there is this amazing ability in each of us right Mm -hmm. that we can utilize and tap into and decide how we're going to use our energy and our intelligence and our gifts and you know sort of tap into i guess i would say is like your purpose or your passion you know so that you can move forward and feel like wow this is possible
0: I, i would imagine that you know after maybe even the first time walking across the The hot coals, a sense of why started showing up for you.
1: Um, I did it in the sense, in the context of where we all set an intention, and you have, you know, we had a fire. You had it's very like strict on who can teach how to do this, and yes, and and I had, I just had an opportunity. There's a place that sometimes I'd go to in Asheville, North Carolina, that every January first they would do this, and it was just the perfect way to like burn off the last year and start fresh again. Wow. Um and it was just powerful and it it also just it just got you in touch with that sense of power that I think as kids, I mean I'm not suggesting kids walk on fire.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But,
1: but as kids, you 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 have that joy. You're like, wow, this world is amazing. And it's how do you keep that as you grow and evolve throughout the lifetime, right? That sense of like things are possible. And then if you lose it as a child, how do you help your child reconnect with it? So I think it's it's just it's it's a neat. Um, thing that I would happily do again I would not jump out of an airplane which I have done I would not do that again but I would yeah. walk on fire
0: again <laughs> wow well I, well, well this will be a test whether my wife listens to this episode because I love I've always wanted to do this uh-huh. you know you know not to jump out of the airplane piece but the the walking on uh-huh. uh, fire piece and and I might I might look into that because I, I I've had some experiences where doing something with strong intention that Mm -hmm. like you said boggles the mind Mm -hmm. the mind is like screaming no or you can't Mm -hmm. and yet there's this uh, ability to galvanize an intention Mm -hmm. that goes way beyond what the mind comes up up with and then boom it's 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 in the doing Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and i think that's beautiful Maureen, thank you so much for, for joining me. This has been an awesome chat. Uh, very excited that your book is, is out. Um, definitely recommend people check it out. Where, where else can people find out uh, more about your work? I would imagine your website.
1: Yeah, growinghappykids.com. And uh, that's where you can find me. There's some free stuff there. So that's always fun too.
0: Cool. Thank you so much for joining me, Maureen.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for joining me for today's episode. I hope you found things of benefit here. If so, please consider giving the show a positive review. Such feedback is not only great to hear, um, it also really helps elevate the show so that others can find benefit from it. Please stay tuned. More episodes, some great guests on the way so that we can together discover these true life prizes and daily life. Take care.